Nick, you know what I like? What? Fresh coffee. Gabe, that's literally everyone. Everyone likes fresh coffee. Yeah, 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 but I know that. But actually, how many people get fresh coffee? I mean, most of it's roasted weeks before you take a sip. With Fruit of the Bean Coffee Roasters, that's not an issue. The coffee is roasted once you place the order, guaranteeing that you get the freshest coffee possible. So unless you live on a coffee farm, this is the best way to enjoy your next cup of coffee. Or a pot of coffee if you share our coffee drinking habits. Oh yeah, and another thing. Fruit of the Bean donates 10% of their net proceeds to help orphans and those affected by human trafficking. And you can even see how much they've donated on their website. Check out their site today for an extra 20% off as a special discount during these crazy times. Their website is fruitofthebean.com. Use code CARDBOARD at checkout for an extra 25% off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just chill out, dude. That is the saxophone's job. Um, And we'll get to that in a second. But first, we're back at Cardboard Box Seats. Yeah, we're practicing social distancing. I'm in Charleston. Nick's in Greenville. You can't get further than that. Nope. Well, you probably could, but we're not going to. Oh, yeah. I don't know why you had to call me out like that. I'm sorry. Geog- geography wasn't my wasn't my thing, man. Geology's tough. Yep. I hate rocks. Anyway, um, so this episode, we had a blast recording. It's with Wes Alston. He's the, uh, he's the sport professional sports agent for RLA Management. And man, does he have the stories, and he is so chock full of information about what a pro sports agent does. Uh, Nick, what did you think of the interview? I thought it was a blast. I definitely learned a lot. Um, I loved having him on the podcast, and I hope you guys liked the episode. Oh, yeah. Hey, Nick. Yes. Do you mind playing that um, that uh, glorious saxophone? <laughs> Have you ever heard of an armchair quarterback? It means someone has an opinion but doesn't necessarily participate in the sport. But it also means that they care enough about the sport to discuss it and try to make it better. In our basketball world, we call this cardboard box seats. We see the game from afar like true fans, but we always show up with the same intensity as if we were at the games ourselves. We don't have the money or the connections like the other talking heads on TV, but we do have some ideas which might seem too out there, and honestly, we've got opinions which might change. Either way, we have fun, so come and watch the game with us from our cardboard box seats. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of Cardboard Box Seats. Nick's here. Gabe's here. And today we have a really special guest, Wes. He's a certified professional sports agent. Hey guys, how's everyone doing? We're doing good, man. So glad to have you on the podcast. So go ahead and tell our listeners what you do as a certified professional sports agent. Uh, well, there's a lot that you do. I mean, I think the probably primary job is to get placement for you guys, handle the contract negotiation, and do any endorsements, marketing, PR, things of that nature. Um, you find yourself also getting involved with other things. My background's in accounting and finance, so I do some of the preliminary looking at um, investments, things of that nature, but I also have an investment firm that handles that as well. Um, legal support is something that my firm takes care of as well. I'm not a lawyer myself, but we do partner with law firms um, to supply that. So it's kind of handling everything for the guys 
in a 360 nature. Um, also, we, we partner with trainers, um, so draft preparation is really important in the pre-draft process, but also ongoing, so we handle that as well. Um, I've helped guys put together foundations, so I'm well-versed in that. It's also, um, making sure they're good once their career is done, because, you know, their, their career ends in their early to mid-30s, which is young, as everyone knows, so making sure they, they have something when it's all said and done. And then, more than anything else, I'm probably a big brother to all these guys. <laughs> um, and so you find yourself kind of handling a lot of, you know, off-the-court things as well. So can you kind of give us, like, the scenic route of your career, like how you got to be where you are? Because you said you have a, a background in accounting. How do you go from having a background in accounting to, to have, being a sports agent? Yeah, I think, um, is, I mean, my back, like, I'm from New York. And when you're from New York, you play basketball. Um, and so, for me, that that's what I did growing up, whether it's been in, in tournaments, just being around the game a lot has been a big part of my life. So... Uh, from there, I got involved with uh, a, a friend of mine. Actually, made it to the NBA, and you know, I would help him with some things around um, uh, uh, foundational work, etc. Um, ben Gordon, um, and then from there, uh, because I was around guys who were were looking to play basketball in some capacity, whether that was overseas or someplace else, um, I would try to hook them up with agents um, and be that kind of conduit, but. You know, they didn't always care about the guys as much as I did, I think. Um, and so, eventually, they just saw them as cash cows. And, uh, I'm from the same background as a lot of these guys. And so, what was important to me was to really take care of them on and off the court, like I said earlier. So, we, so I eventually decided to get FIBA certified um, and then MVPA certified uh, and become a full agent. And initially, it was more or less, I'm, I want to be their accountant. Um, and then it, I decided, hey, let, let me be a full-time agent. Um, and, yeah, help guys get placed overseas, uh, G League, NBA, NBA, everything across the board. So when do you first reach out to players to, to kind of form that relationship um, with them in hopes to become their agent? Is it something like when they're leaving high school or, or right out of college? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's coming out of college. Um, and, and building that relationship, whether it's through me, um, through somebody else within my company reaching out to them, building a relationship. Um, sometimes I know I know a whole slew of coaches and, and, and trainers and teams throughout the country, um, but we wait till their, their season is done um, or they're declaring for the draft to build that relationship. We don't want to, don't want to, you know, jump in front of the process. Not only because obviously you're not supposed to, but also because I want these guys to focus on, you know, school and whatever they got going on in their lives and not be one of those agents that's bombarding them every day about representing them and, and pulling them in a million different directions. Um, I had a recruiting call actually earlier today where I was talking to a guy and he's like, can we just wait till like next week because I got this project and I got this quiz and I got all these things. I was like, hey man, you know, let me know when you want to continue the conversation. We've been speaking for a little while, but... Let me know when you want to have that conversation again. That's, that's just kind of how I handle it. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's super important, obviously, and you know this, and you kind of just spoke on this, obviously. But like having building a relationship first is very, very important before you kind of talk the the contract negotiations. And speaking of that, 
Can you go ahead and explain what that process looks like? For a lot of us fans, we have no idea what happens behind those closed doors. We only see what happens on like Bleacher Report or House of Highlights, and it's like, oh, they wanted this, oh, they wanted that. Can you talk about kind of your experience uh, negotiating some contracts? I mean, well, I could only tell you so much because I don't want to give you other secrets. <laughs> I think yeah, a lot of it is, is first talking to the guys about what they're looking to accomplish, right? So are you looking to go to a winning situation? Are you looking for the most money? Are you looking to get as much money up front as possible, which is really important with what's going on right now, actually, um, with the suspension. Um, we can talk about that a little later. But um, are you looking to go a certain place overseas? Or are you looking to stay in a look here in the state? So I think that's kind of first with everything, right? And so that's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that a lot of fans and, and people don't know about. It's what are you trying to accomplish before anything else? Um, and then once you have that conversation with your guys and you kind of align for the most part what you're trying to do, then it's, you know, handling those conversations with the teams and, and, and like, what are we, what are you willing to give up and not giving up anything? Cause at the end of the day, and I fans hate this as much as possible and, you know, agents get bad looks, but, we're trying to get as much money as possible or put them in a winning situation. And that's the same thing you're trying to do in your everyday life, right? Like, you're looking, you're first trying to align yourself with what your goal is. If it's, all right, I want to do this certain thing, then the great majority of the population is trying to get paid what they believe they should get paid for that, right? Unless you're going into the nonprofit world. So there, there's no difference between an NBA player and and someone working someplace else, if you're an accountant, right? You're trying to get paid for your services as, as, as you feel you should. And so, you know, sometimes fans take a look at that and feel that guys are getting overpaid, but someone's going to get the money. Either the billionaire's going to get the money or the millionaire's going to get the money. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so what does the contracts kind of look like for, let's say, like a rookie coming in and then someone who's like who's been playing uh, after that rookie contract how, how does the negotiation look like that and you don't have to give all your secrets but just you can say kind of like as general as possible well I, I think it's based on the talent level and where they're going to play right and so for instance uh, the NBA level um, if you're drafted in the first round all you're trying to do is negotiate whether they were going to get 80 to 120 percent of the rookie scale that's in place um, if it's a second round um well, you're just trying to land, land a deal because it's not a guarantee contract. Um, so you have that going on. Uh, and also trying to put them in the best situation because if you're a second-round pick, you want to make sure the situation you're going to is going to prolong your career. There's no guarantee with a second-round pick. So you, you, you're trying to make sure that they're in the right situation um, so they can have a long, long, long career. A lot of second-round picks don't have that. Um, if they're over, And then that, that's, you know, that could be anywhere from uh, a, a minimum salary for rookies, um, or you can, might be able to get a little bit more if they really liked. But then, I mean, that, that outside of that, if it's going to go the G League route, then you might be trying to get an Exhibit 10 contract with them or two-way contract with them. So you have that going on. Or they might even get a, <laughs> a G League contract, which is not much money um, at all. Then you can also be going overseas, and then it's about the the talent level, right? If you're going to one of the higher leagues in in Greece or Israel, um, you can get 
you know, starting out maybe 10000 a month. Um, or if you're not as talented, and then you're going to get, you know, maybe just 3000 a month in a lower league, and maybe like Croatia or so. So it's, it's really about examining the talent level first and then slotting the guys to maximize them. But, and I, I'll keep putting emphasis on this, it's like I'm, I'm really, really focused on putting guys in the best situation. Not just getting paid because it's it's this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I mean, unless you have a talented guy coming straight out, it's a marathon. And so you're trying to put him in the in the best situation. So five years down the line, he's really getting paid. Yeah, for sure. So on the flip side of that, um, not on the court, how, what is the pro- is the process similar? I guess for a player to get a sponsor. Um, uh, when you mean. My- I'm assuming you need endorsement deals and marketing deals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, it's very similar. It's different nowadays because you have the social media aspect, right? So if you're just trying, you can get paid through social media. That's a new thing, right? So what you need with that is to make sure that they post enough, um, that they get enough likes. So I've been partnering with a social media manager to do that. And then based on those things, you go about finding a lot of kind of lifestyle deals. Um, so there's a lot of boutique firms that are looking to sponsor players. Um, and then, but you also have, um, reach out to them based on, and sometimes they reach out to you. That's the beauty of social media now, right? So at one point, it would be a lot of you reaching out and going with the, the normal deals, which are shoe deals, um, car deals, uh, apparel deals, but like the, the usual apparel. Those are the things that you did in the past. I think now it's a lot different because of social media. So you're going to have, you know, you're going to have uh, a random firm, a random company reaching out and say, hey, you know, can you model this and then post of this? Um, so the social media has kind of changed somewhat. Um, and then the other day, I got to reach out from one of my guys who played overseas a Chinese company reached out uh, wanting him to do a commercial um, out that way. Um, good money, quick spot, um, and do it remotely as well. So we were able to do that. So it's a lot of reaching out where it wasn't that way back in the day because of social media presence. Um, but then you still look for the same ones. Like I said before, you got the Nike, do you want a shoe deal? You go about getting that. I think the thing that has changed most with part sponsorships and marketing deals um, it's equity. So before you just get paid, right? Um, you get a certain amount up front. If it's a multi-year deal, you get a certain amount over the year, over life. Um, now, the beauty of it is trying to get equity, right? So part of the deal could still be up front or it could be over the life. But I'm also looking for ownership um, for my guys. And so we, we usually structure the deals where it's it's split kind of evenly where they can get cash and obviously be remain some, some be liquid. But also, you know, um, get them some equity. And that that requires you reaching out as well. So I guess it's very similar to the contract negotiations. Um, but I think that's how it's changed somewhat over the work, over the past few years or so. So as your player's agents, do you ever get any stuff um, from these sponsors for yourself? Um, I have structured deals where, you know, I've been uh, included in the equity. If I have done that, my play is 100% aware of it and I've been transparent about it. Um, but usually I don't 
get anything from it. Um, maybe sometimes the, the the company will send me some clothes. Um, <laughs> send me some sneakers or something yeah. nice like that. But uh, outside of that, no. I, uh, it's all for the guys, making sure that they're good to go, that they're comfortable, they're happy. That's my job, making sure they're happy. Yeah. I wasn't sure if, like, um, they get a pair of Jordans, if you also get a pair of Jordans or try and get some for yourself, you know? Oh, no, I've definitely done that. I've gotten myself some some sneakers, got my wife some sneakers, got my daughter some sneakers. Man, add us to that list. I got to know you at least a year. Okay. Okay, we'll keep this relationship going for a year. We got to build. We got to build. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you talked a little bit about how you want to pick the best place for your guys, and whether that's kind of the G League or an international league. Uh, and speaking frankly, not everyone is cut out for the NBA. How do you kind of utilize all your options for that player to succeed? So how do you kind of um, take that time, maybe that tough conversation where you talk with your player, like, hey, maybe maybe you need a, a year to develop. How do, like, what's the process behind that? Like I said before, I grew up around basketball. So... Um, I watched basketball in some capacity since I was like four or five. I had to. My dad was was big in the sport, so I, I'm not just in the business of basketball. I I love basketball. Um, okay. So any guy that I've recruited, I've watched a lot. I watched a lot. Um, so like I said before, I probably reach out to them near the end of their career, uh, with their college career or so. But I've been watching them a good chance of years, maybe even from high school. Um, so I know their game and. I'm an honest guy. It, I, that's just who I am. Um, whether it's professional honesty or just personal honesty. And I'm, I'm going to tell a guy, like, you are NBA talent or you can be NBA talent if you do X, Y, Z, or you are not NBA talent. Um, I'm just going to be honest with them, and hopefully they respect that. And so for me, those conversations are easy, maybe because I'm just an honest person. And then, I do that, and you can't take it, and you're offended, and you're. Then I'm not the agent for you. Um, I, I think that's what you should want out of your agent. I think your your agent should be honest. I, I think anybody in your life should be honest with you, actually. Um, but if you're handling business with someone, someone they should be honest with you. So those conversations for me are are extremely easy. It, it's easy to tell a guy where I think they could be. Now I'm not always right, and so he can say that he doesn't necessarily agree with me. Um, because you see something else, but hopefully he respects the fact that I'm being honest with him um, where he should be. So being in the sports agency business, you're up against some some other big name people. Uh, what's one thing or some things that you think set you apart other than like obviously having the strong background in in finance, which I'm sure definitely set you apart. What what are some other things that you think set set you apart from the other guys? I think. You know, with the, the larger guys, you become a cog in the machine. Um, with me, you're going to be, I'm always accessible. I'm always someone you can have an honest conversation with. You know, a lot of my guys know my wife. Um, it's a family over here. Um, and that's what you're going to get when you come this way. You're, you're, you're going to be part of the family, and, and you're going to always be able to talk to me. And like I said before, I kind of become these guys' big brother. Um, and I mean that even like there are things that happen off the court that I won't say like legal issues but issues with dudes uh, um, girlfriends or significant others and and sometimes they need someone to talk to about it or help navigate or all that stuff I'm like listen guys I 
you know, I've been married for some years, been with my wife for, I guess, 11 years, but I've seen some things. <laughs> I know some things. I, I, got, I can help you guys do these things. Um, so in every capacity, I'm kind of, um, I'm that, that, that personal relationship that you don't get sometimes, that you can get this way. So this is actually a question that one of our listeners asked, um, and they said, what's the best way that you approach a, a client? Kind of, I guess it kind of branches off of what Nick was just saying, but, and I guess kind of now that I'm thinking about it, it depends on the player themselves, but um, is there a specific maybe tactic that you use when approaching a player, whether it be um, you want to meet them in person firsthand, or you want to reach out to them on social media, like what, what? not asking for obviously all your secrets t tips of the trade here but like what's the process behind that well i think the best in my my opinion always been the best way is through someone so whether that's a coach whether that's a family friend whether that's a friend whether that's a significant other like to, to someone that they might trust to speak to you it has been probably the most successful way to reach out to guys. Yeah, you can you can cold email them. You can cold uh, reach out to them via social media. You can do all those things. But honestly, the best way is through a relationship that's existing because then they they're more willing to trust you, right? So they you know they won't look at Westerns and think I'm just some random guy that's reaching out to them that might not have their best intentions. But if I know a friend that they know from back in the days, or if I know a coach in some capacity, then they're more willing to actually want to listen and speak to me. I think that's always been the most successful way. Now, you can do other things. You can slide into their DMs, uh, or you could you can try to find out their email and reach out to them that way. But then at that point, you're going to do that. You, you better have the gift of gab. You better be great at sitting down with them and, and making them feel comfortable. Because after that, what you're going to have to do is, especially when these guys come out of college, is then speak to their parents or their mentor, right? So once you jump over that hurdle of them, then you got to talk to the people around them. So if you already have that in, it makes it a little easier. So before we started recording, you said you had uh, you had a player who was, was about to sign a deal before all the coronavirus stuff happened. Do you have like a lot of players throughout the league who are either in the G League, the the actual NBA, or, or in, like, playing overseas in Europe? Yeah, most of my guys are overseas in Europe. Um, I have a couple of guys, well, I had a couple of guys in the G League this past year. Um, and then I'm recruiting some pretty talented guys right now, so it's all across our fingers and hope that works out well, um, that I believe are NBA talent. Um, but most of my guys are overseas guys, yeah. How does recruiting look right now since with all the social distancing and everything like that? It's, it's, it's weird. It's weird, man. Um, I, it's, I am New York based, right? And so, um, you're kind of just stuck where you are because it's, it's, it's been hit. New York's been hit kind of hard with, um, COVID-19. Um, so a lot of it is email, a lot of it calls. It's, speaking to everybody uh, within my office, within my place. Um, and and then occasionally you have to get on FaceTime calls, and this might be the first time you're speaking to the players or their family. And like I said, I'm in New York. It's, you know, shelter in place kind of going on here, so there's no barbershops. 
So I got a, a full gray beard going on right now. Just looking real wild. Uh, and, you know, you got you to, gotta, at the beginning, let them know, this is not how I usually look. <laughs> I'm way more tame. Um, so you, you try to do everything as virtually as possible, but it's, it's different because when, if you've been doing it for a while and you sit in front of a plane as family, you get a rhythm going. You get all this going. If if you're just on the phone with them and your whole relationship is built over the phone initially, then it's not the same. It's not as authentic. Or if you're doing FaceTime with them and everybody knows they FaceTime someone. If it's your close friend, you don't care how you look. If, if it's like some, if it's like a business deal or say if somebody you're interested in, you're trying to work the angles while you're doing the FaceTime call. It's it gets really weird, right? <laughs> yeah. So so it's a lot of virtual recruiting now that comes off really weird. It's not as authentic as I like it to be. Has there ever been a time and this is kind of a specific question, has there ever been a time where you had to convince your player of a business decision that it wasn't that appealing to them perhaps, but you knew from your experience that they should take this deal? That happens all the time. Uh, whether it's some guy, I mean, it kind of goes, it could be where they're playing or it could be, like you said, a business deal um, where it's like, I think you should play here. And like, I don't, I don't want to play there. Why, why are you telling me to play there? Right? Like one of my guys last year, I, he wanted to stay here and play in the G League. And I was like, no, you need to go overseas. You need to work on your game. Um, I have a deal here. I make great money. But if you come back this way, I think it's going to work for you. Um, he was he was adamant he didn't want to go. Now, part of it is because he just, it wasn't necessarily that he didn't believe that the deal was good. It's that he didn't want to go to Croatia, you know. Um, so that's something. Or it could be, um, you know, or it could be like a, an investment deal that, I think the return is going to be good, or it could be like an endorsement deal. Like I said, um, most recently with the Chinese uh, commercial one, I was like, uh, "Why am I doing this?" And I was like, "Well, you, I, I'm thinking about seeing you in China next year. If you already got kind of a quote-unquote fan base, that that helps us with the contract negotiation for next year." Um, so, you know, that that's something that's kind of uh, that was beneficial for him. Uh, well, we'll see if it's beneficial, but I think it will be because I think he will play in China next year. So, yeah, it's it's you go through that literally all the time, um, but it's mainly around you know where where you're going to play and, and getting a, an agreement on that. So we kind of, we've kind of talked uh, back and forth about there being three tiers to professional basketball and the NBA obviously being the highest and the G League right underneath that and then overseas, whether it be in Croatia or Greece or Israel, like you were talking about. Uh, and you mentioned in that story, like, you wanted to send your guy to work on his game overseas. So I know it's not an appealing kind of thought to go work on your game per se and you want to be in the G League. You want to be affiliated with the NBA. That's that's the end game, Right. But why why would you send players overseas? Like, what specifically are you kind of looking for them to work on? A lot of it's game reps because you can you can work in game in the gym, right? You can you you can. I had a guy who was a great defender, great rebounder for his size, um, great slasher, but need to work on his shot. Now, part of that was, you know, getting in um, a thousand shots in the gym. So you got to actually apply that in game rep, right? And so, because what's going to happen is 
if you, if play if teams don't believe you're a shooter, then they bring you in for a workout and you shoot well. They're questioning if you can do it in a game when there's action around you, when it's when it's fast paced. Like, can, can he actually do that in a game? And so you need to prove that to them, but you also kind of have to prove it to yourself. If it, things and aspects of the game that they need to work on, you need to work on that on your off time, going to the gym, living in the gym, working on your craft, same like everyone else does. But you need to get game prep as well. Um, that's the thing that you can do. You can't mimic that. And you can practice full game speed as much as you want to do, but you can't, you can't fake game rep. And so that's the thing that I want guys who do occasionally. It's like, listen, know this sucks. Um, I know you might not want to go to Lithuania or something like that, but <laughs> you know, we, we, you need game reps and you need to also put it on film because teams want to see that. And, and so that's, that's what I'm trying to get guys as much as possible. And they're playing against like pretty good players now that are coming out of Europe. I mean, if you think about it, all all the award seasons last year went to a lot of overseas players. I, I mean, the, the the talent there is is growing tremendously. I mean, that's what we've done, right? Especially what the Olympics have done it is it put more emphasis on uh, on basketball uh, globally. And so I think you know, if especially some of the leagues overseas. I mean, some of the leagues overseas aren't great. Some of the leagues overseas are just getting so much better. And so it's like, of course, you want to play in the NBA. I get that. But, listen, there's great players overseas. And and you want to play with some of these guys. You want to learn from some of these guys. I mean, why not? Why why not play with some of these guys? And, yeah, you don't want to go into the, the, the lower division. But if you can go to, you know, first division, and play against guys that are extremely talented. I mean, like you said before, I mean, some of the best players in the game right now are overseas guys. I mean, Luca, Giannis. These guys aren't, you know, homegrown. They're not U.S.-based. They're not, you don't have a whole bunch of New York players in the league anymore. (laughs) This This is a global game. So, you know, get your reps against anyone. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're playing, you're playing. So it definitely is better than just sitting on the bench or, or not playing. <laughs> exactly, or, or playing against me. You know, you don't want to play against me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what does the process kind of look like for representing someone who isn't eligible for the draft yet um, or, or and they're training for pro, pro sports? So like someone who just, like a senior who just declared or someone who's 17 and they're playing in Europe. Like what, is, what does that process look like? Is it just building, like, getting them in, in with sets, getting them in with a trainer? Yeah, I think, um, well, so for guys who are coming out, uh, they're seniors coming out of college right now, what you want to do, especially based on that talent level, um, is get them in with the trainer um, and try to get, as they have been working out and some of them already have this, but getting pro training in. Like, there's a difference between going to the gym with your boy who's rebounding for you watching some film and then trying to emulate that with your teammate and getting a pro trainer to work you out and not just basketball workout but like working on your body as well like like you talked about Giannis before you look at Giannis body now some of his maturity there's also getting in with pro trainers you look at Giannis body when he first entered the league and you also and you look at his body now right? yeah. it doesn't look like the same body um, so that pro workout is important. So, you know, I, I have trainers located uh, here in New York. I have one in Florida, one in California, um, one in Chicago. So I have them located throughout the states. Um, and so a guy coming out of college who, well, there's a few guys, like I said, 
like them that are coming out of college, I think, are truly NBA talent, under the radar, but NBA talent. Um, and so for me, it's to get them in front of these trainers whenever <laughs> the world allows us to, to open back up. Um, and so that's, a, that's the first thing. I tell guys, you're going to work on your body. Um, we're going to work on your game. And then we're going to watch film because a large part of the game is, is up here in your brain. So um, that's kind of what you do with them initially, um, the guys coming out. Um, guys I just started working with that's already playing overseas, it's um, probably learning the game a little bit more. Um, and also, if they're trying to come back this way, learning how the game is played this way. Because um, there's a difference between how the game is played in the States and how the game is played globally. So once again, it's a lot of film work um, to understand how they can translate. So this one, I kind of have like a hot topic question. This has kind of been a question thrown around uh-huh. in the league um, for, I mean, yeah. since the season started and, and it's dated back a while. What are your thoughts on the one and done rule or, or having to go to college first before you can enter the draft or enter the NBA? Yeah, I think, um, should you have to go to college to start a podcast? No, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous, in my opinion. The guys can't um, monetize their skills um, upon high school graduation, honestly. Um, and we can, we can talk about this for a while and, and have everybody hate me. So I don't know how far we go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but, you know, there, there are other people trying to, to monetize their skills. But we look down upon young young Americans on monetizing their skills and, and you know that's the whole thing right because in other sports you can do that right you you can do that in hockey um, I believe you can do that in baseball um, football you know you have to do a few years that kind of makes sense right I, I don't think that 18 uh, year olds should probably get hit by Brian Urlacher back in the days right you <laughs> need to work on your body a little bit uh, <laughs> I can't imagine an 18-year-old getting getting crushed by Lawrence Taylor. So it little, makes a little bit more sense in football. But as we've seen with some of the talented guys that that's been in the league, I mean, you know, there's LeBron, Kevin Garnett, in the in the in the Hall of Fame, just been you know, just been a, you know, got that nomination. So they're Kobe. Um, they're guys who came straight out of high school um, that went pro that are some of the best players we've ever seen. And then they give you the, the, the story that we think they should go to college because they have named someone like Coleon Young who hasn't been successful, who did it. But there's a bunch of guys who are seniors that weren't successful. Um, there are a bunch of guys that did two years, did three years, that came out early and haven't been successful. So I think putting some kind of limit on guys to make money is just, if there's anything that's un-American, it's purposely putting laws in place to stop people from making money, and that doesn't sound bad. So let's say Gabe is a high school senior, and he is being recruited by all these all these top 10 uh, colleges right now. Would you suggest him, as his agent, would you suggest either him going to college or maybe going playing overseas for a year, a couple years, before entering in the NBA? Well, how tall is Gabe? Let's say he's... Yeah. <laughs> Let's change his height for this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> we'll say 6'5". Yeah, give me give me at least 12 more inches on top. <laughs> if Gabe is 5'5", five five, then he should definitely get his education. 
is Gabe, if Gabe is six five, I, that's hard. That's hard to say, right? I, I'm not. Well, first of all, I can't be your agent at that point, right? It's like you have to, you let me know what you're going to figure out, and then I help you. But I, uh, I'm not going to, you know, do that at that point. But let's say the scenario was different. I was just trying to give somebody advice. Um, it's hard. It's based on your situation, right? If if, if Gabe, if I saw Gabe play and he looks like LeBron looked when he was in high school, then I'm going to tell him, go pro, because you're a man amongst boys. Like, like there's, there's no reason for you to, you can, you can go to college, and that's fine, or you can just get the, the real work. Um, if, if you're, like, come from, and also some guys, sometimes guys need money. Let's, let's be real, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that's why you take jobs in your everyday life is because you need money. So, you know, some of these guys are in a situation where, hey, they need money and they're extremely talented. So let's, let's see what the options are. Um, so sometimes that's the case. Uh, I, listen, I, uh, I believe in education. My wife is an educator, so she heard me right now. She'll probably yell at me. Um, <laughs> so I advise guys to go to college and get their education. But what I don't like is when people tell them that that's the only option. Um, I think you have to look at your talent level and then make a decision what you want to do. Take a look at your life and your talent level and make a decision based on that. It's hard for me, and that's if they're going to go pro, go to the NBA, G League, et cetera. It is hard for me to tell a 17 or 18-year-old that there's an option to go overseas. Because a lot of these guys, I think of myself when I was that age, a lot of these guys are from the inner city. And it's hard to take one of those guys and, once again, like I said before, place them in a place like Croatia and Lithuania without their family and without their friends. That's just tough for American. I feel like guys from other countries are more adapting, but us from America, we're not really great at that. Right, so you put a 17 year, 18 year old in a certain location, um, tell them to adapt to the food when they used to eat in their mom's food or McDonald's, um, <laughs> to the language barrier that exists, um, the fact that sometimes these teams aren't great at paying, so this 18 year old is gonna freak out and your agent has to get involved. It's like, there's a lot that goes into it that I'm not a fan of advising young kids to do that understand why because it's an unfortunate option that they have to take down but I think if you're talented enough to be an NBA pro you should do it if you're not then I do think you should go to college but I think you should have that option well Nick I think we found our soundbite I mean Wes just basically said I'm, I'm a man among boys and compared me to LeBron so we can just we can just call the episode now I think we're, we're set um Go oh, like I have paperwork for you. Let's sign. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'll politely decline for your reputation, not mine. <laughs> um, so you have a player that's actually currently playing pro basketball in Mexico right now, correct? Uh, I think it's Anthony January. So what's the biggest difference between pro sports in the U.S. when compared to Mex- Mexico? Especially kind of being a, a, an agent for both the NBA and FIBA. Are there any strategies that you have to make ta- that you have to take to make sure he succeeds? Just make them as comfortable as possible in the situation. Because um, like I said before, these guys are going out to a location that they might have never been before with a language barrier, with no friends, with all this stuff. And so they get into their head. 
And so the thing that impacts athletes wherever they are uh, more than actual game are things that occur off the court, right? And so if you're head down into the game, you're going to be extremely talented. And this has happened with a bunch of players. And we look at God's game, it's like, how do you have that awful game? I'm talking about an NBA level, right? You, so why did he have that awful game? You never know. He probably got into something with his wife, some family situation came up, et cetera. Um, and so you got to make sure that guys' heads are in the game and that they're comfortable with their situation. That's definitely important when guys are overseas because, you know, they got family this way. They might have kids back this way. You know, you got to tell them if they're in certain locations, what area they can go to and what area they can't go to. They're worried about getting paid on time because they might have to send money back to their family this way. So, and there's, there's a chance that you might not get paid in, on time because it's not the same as in the NBA G League. You know when that paycheck's going to come. Sometimes when these guys overseas, you don't you don't know when that paycheck's going to come. So, uh, I think those are the things that's probably the biggest difference and talking to them on a regular basis, reaching out to them on a regular basis. Because sometimes when the guys are this way, you reach out to them, see how they're doing, you know, you're going to go to the games, et cetera. And they have family and people around. So they want to talk to you from a basketball standpoint to make sure they're good. Like I said, you might be a big brother, talk to you in that regard. But when a guy's overseas, he's not going to have his family there. Um, he's not going to have a, a support there. So they need to be able to talk to people on a regular basis. Um, and so I try to talk to them as much as often. So we just saw the NFL said they're going to do a virtual draft. What are your What are your predictions with the NBA draft this year? In my opinion and my conversations with both the NBA and the NBPA, um, the draft is still going to take place, I think, at the exact same time. I think, you know, it's really based on where the world is, right? Like, uh, how much is this COVID-19 going to be, you know, around in the middle of June? Um, to say if it's going to be a virtual draft like the NFL one, I think, based on what I'm hearing, what I'm reading, I think that, you know, we might be in a better place by May, which means that I think we might have an actual draft in June. Um, I'm hoping for that. Um, I think what's going to be probably impacted more is all the pre-draft stuff. So you have those pre-draft workouts that usually occur with teams or the combine that usually occur with, uh, with the NBA that there's a chance that the combine might, take, might not take place. Um, and there's a chance that either the pre-draft workouts are not going to take place, but they're going to be in a really condensed time frame. Um, so instead of maybe a month of pre-draft workouts, it's only going to be like a couple of weeks of it or so. Um, I mean, those are going to be probably the biggest things to, to happen. I think the draft is still going to take place. Um, and I think it might be an actual still draft. Um, but I mean, that's that's what the world is about, I guess. Um, but hopefully everything will, will be sort of back to normal by then. All right. Um, what about what's your prediction? You can say this either either as a fan or as a sports agent. What's your prediction for the for the rest of the season? I don't want to say this, but I don't think it. I don't think the rest of the season is going to play out. I think we might might have watched uh, basketball for the rest of the 2019-2020 season, and that that hurts as a fan and as an agent. But you know, public safety is first. I think, you know, unfortunately, we probably didn't do a good enough job of getting in front of it. There's always a chance that they might, you know, one thing they often talk about is is kind of playing in front of no no fan. But that still, that still takes a lot. That's still gathering a lot of people, you know, from the production side, because I'm assuming they're going to televise those games. So the production side, the basketball side, the training.
trainers, the coaches, the players. Like, you're still looking at a great deal of people together to make this happen. And the question is, do we take that risk in this time period? And I think we won't feel comfortable with taking those kind of risks until potentially into early June, I think, or mid-June. But then what you're going to have to do is get these guys back in shape. There's one thing I read the other day with Giannis is that he doesn't have a gym to play ball. Like, so he's doing physical work, but he has no, no basketball work. It's going to have to be a, a quote-unquote preseason um, and training camp to get guys back in shape before the, I guess, playoffs will start. So now you're extending this season well into August, September. So you could do that, but then that means that you're going to have to change the start of the 2020-2021 season to December. So now you're effectively not only changing this season, but you're changing next season. And the question is, do you want to do that when you probably already have some kind of stadium lease obligation? It's a lot. So I, I, I'm leaning towards us potentially not playing anymore. But hope I'm wrong. <laughs> That's a lot of good points. A lot of stuff that I hadn't thought about before or I didn't want to think about. Just wanted it to, wanted it to come back as soon as possible, you know? <laughs> I think everyone's like that. Yeah. I... I I was watching a cornhole uh, championship on um, ESPN because I just don't have my sports fix. Man, you're in a dark place. It's, it's okay, man. You're going to get through it. <laughs> it's dark over here. It's bad. <laughs> Can you kind of describe the feeling of draft night? Like what it's like from from an agent perspective, uh, being around all these great players? It's, it's, it's very similar to an athlete, right? So there, there's a level of... Uh, you know, excitement that goes into it um, as well, because you're 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 waiting for that call um, or that text to talk about what's going to happen next for these guys. And like I said earlier, I, I build a relationship with these guys, and even though it might be early in our relationship, I really care. I really care about what's going to take place with them and and what's next for them. And if they're unhappy or they're hurt, and I feel it myself. Um, and so there's a level of anxiety and excitement that goes into it. It's a rush. I, I enjoy the rush, but it's a rush. Um, and so you feel a lot like these guys. I mean, I, I'm not in their shoes, so I know there's a different level of anxiety. Um, but for me, it, there's, still, there's still something that I go through as well. So, Wes, this is going to be our last question, and it's one that we ask each one of our guests. You've talked a lot about your story about being an agent and you've you've thrown in a lot of kind of pearls of wisdom for anyone who wanted to be a sports agent but is there any other advice that you have for anyone looking to become a sports agent don't become one let me just be the only agent out there (laughs) Um, no i think um build relationships This, this is life but especially in this industry is based on relationships and be authentic with your relationships Right, so in both ways, whether it's with the teams, be authentic with your relationships with them. With the players, be authentic with your relationships with them. Don't be that caricature of what an agent should be. You know, they they have this view of what we are. Don't be that. Um, go about building relationships 360. Be authentic in those relationships and kind of carry it on. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of grind. It's a lot of sacrifice. Your family will feel it. Um, but there's one agent that um, I was kind of learning from. And at the time, 
I think he had uh, three kids. I think he he had one since then. Um, but his um, one of his girls was was trying to talk to him about something. He was on the phone, and you can see the the kind of hurt in the daughter's eyes. And she was like, "Daddy's always on the phone." And now this was years ago for me. It was before I had um, any kids. Um, but for me, I was thinking to myself, "All right, I want to accomplish what he accomplished." But what I don't want is my daughter to feel that way. And now he's a, he's a great dad, so I'm not taking anything away from that. Um, but it's hard to balance that. It's hard to balance everything that goes into it um, and your family and the other things that's important. Um, and you also got to have a good support. My wife is great. She does a great job uh, at home with my daughter and just taking care of us, making sure we're good to go. Because there are, there's a lot of sacrifice on my end. Um, around this time period, usually I'm traveling a good amount um, to recruit. And so she has to hold down the fort. So, you know, just build relationships, but remember yourself and what's important to you. Well, Wes, it's been an honor having you on the podcast. I know we have definitely learned a lot from you, and, and we thank you for that. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed my time. Thank <laughs> you.